Exclusive interviews with the guys on the field. I had the, the, the right instincts to play football on a certain level, and um, I, I just I just kind of... The best of the best around the league, and just to be around those guys and see what it's like to be an elite player, man, it was definitely eye-opening. Greg Metzik goes one-on-one with your favorite Packers players. I just kind of bought all in when he told me. I was like, it didn't matter. You know, I didn't play it in my life before. Well, I've had certain moments where guys told me, hey, like... This could be it. Like, what are you going to do after this? And every single time, I'd be like, no, this, this is not going to be it. And gets an inside look from the voice of the Packers. His longest run was only seven yards, so that means he earned every yard he hammered away. On WTMJ. And welcome into another Packers one-on-one. I'm Greg Matzik, and over the next hour, we'll get to know Packers wide receiver Jordy Nelson. We'll also hear from the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey, as we look ahead to the Cleveland Browns. Jordy Nelson, drafted by the Packers in 2008. He was a second-round pick, number 36 overall. has played his entire career with the green and gold. Been a very eventful career for Nelson, not only on the field, but off, especially recently. Uh, does it feel like you've been in the league for almost a decade? Um, It depends on the day. <laughs> so, I mean, everything flies by. I think every season you always think flies by. But even now you look back and Seattle seems a long time ago. Um, year one seems a long time ago. And then obviously having kids at home, you realize that you've been here for a while. Um, so our oldest is going to turn eight in February. So that realizes, you know, reminds you that you've been here for a while. Well, congratulations for being beyond diapers. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I know. Well, we're still. We're, we're just, we're, yeah, he's yeah. out. We're still. We got one more. We're our youngest is. Uh, she's about ready to turn nine months. So uh, then we'll be out of diapers here soon. Well, I was going to get to that a little bit later in the in the chat, but uh, I guess great to talk about it now. Um, I remember doing a little chat with you. It's probably four years ago, and Royal, I think, was just starting to go to school. I mean, just mm-hmm. starting to go to kindergarten, and your family has expanded here. By way of adoption, yes. uh, the last couple of years. So, walk me through the dynamic here and, and how it's been with two new additions to the family since 2015. Um, it's been great, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think everyone has a plan in how they see their life going forward, and then you soon realize you have no control over that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we had our oldest royal, and then um, for whatever reason, uh, couldn't get pregnant again. So, my wife and I decided to. Uh, go the adoption route to expand our family. Um, we have adopted uh, two kids now. Our uh, a boy named Brooks who will be three here at the end of December, and then a little girl who will be nine months. So um, it's been great. It's been a great experience for us. Um, the process has been smooth. It's been a it's been a fun, fun process to be uh, to go through. It's been a fun process to uh, build relationships with. Um, if it's other families in the community that we've um, gotten to know through. Um, kind of an adoption community, I guess you could say, of um, finding out that certain people were adopted or certain people have adopted other kids. So it's amazing once the conversation comes up, the more you learn about other people. So it's been fun, um, and now you can't imagine your family any other way. Yeah. I was. Is it a difficult process, Jordy? I mean, you're learning about these kids, and it, who knows? I mean, the story why they might be mm-hmm. up for adoption, but is, Every, is that difficult to work through? Every story is different. Um, a lot, of, honestly, the hard part was doing all the education uh, pre-adoption. Um, you have to take uh, some online classes um, and quizzes to pass. Uh, you have to do a bunch of background checks. They come and check out your family. I mean, obviously, they want to make sure that you're you're a family that's um, capable and should have kids in their household. I guess they don't want to just allow anyone to adopt kids. So that can be a long process. And then obviously, you have the waiting game of. Um, getting matched with a child, but um, 
our stories are um, have been great. Um, the birth mom and uh, dad that um, with both children um, we haven't had any um, difficulty with. Um, so it's it's been a it's been a smooth process, and uh, not every story is that way. Um, we were you know we're very thankful that ours are. Three kids at home, right? Royal's starting to get involved in stuff, I'm sure. He mm-hmm. probably understands what Daddy does for work, <laughs> yes. which is kind of cool. Um, and you've been at it for about a decade. I mean, how long do you want to keep doing this? We'll see. Um, I've, I guess before the season, I said two to four more years. So I guess one to three more after this one. Um, that would put me um, about 13 years. And then um, there will be some heavy consideration of what's going on. But obviously, I have one more year on my deal. Um, obviously, we want to play that out, and then it's got to be a mutual decision between me and the Packers if, if we're back. So you, you control a lot of things, um, but some things you don't. So um, I think, for, honestly, from now on, it's been a year by year um, of how the body feels, how the family feels, you know, everything. So, uh, you know, you don't play the game forever. You, you do see the, you know, the end of it. But, um, you know, body feels good right now, honestly. I was telling my wife the other day that, you know, I actually feel pretty good every week. I felt extremely good going in on Sundays and I think that's really what matters obviously the throughout the week's always going to depend on how the game went and how the body feels but as long as you're able to recover and be ready to go on Sunday um, I think you can continue to do it has this been kind of a strange year Jordy right I mean just just when you think you've seen everything yeah. in the course of a given season um it has been unfortunately I've experienced two of these now with Aaron breaking a collarbone so I, I kind of knew how it would go but again it's still different than the last time it happened so um, it's been a different year. Um, it's it's the unknown football. Um, not only Aaron's injury, but everyone else's that we've had on the team of foot and ankles and ACLs and um, everything, hands, everything. So and injuries that you, I mean, for the most part, you can't really control. I mean, they just happen in the game of football. So, um, but that's part of it, and uh, you continue to grind it out and continue to improve. How do you digest the Martellus Bennett situation? <laughs> Uh, that adds to the bizarreness of a season, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's something that you you don't know. You, I had never experienced before. Um, something that um, kind of caught us all off guard on the way it happened, and I mean, we were all excited when he came here and um, what he could, you know, possibly brought to this team. But then to see what happened was disappointing. And you know, sometimes you find out, you know, I guess the true character of certain people when times get hard and then don't don't go the way that you think. So. And now the whole now he's I think on IR now so it's it's an interesting one but um you know our locker room's gonna stick together and um, the guys that are here want to be here and want to play. I think fans felt hurt by it. <laughs> How dare would somebody turn their back on on the team? And I'm sure to a degree some of the players felt like that too. Maybe yourself. Um, you're on social media. I wouldn't say you're overly active on social media. No. But you felt compelled to say something about Dr. McKenzie when Martellus Bennett threw the doctor under the bus. Right. You were one of several players to come forward. That, that looked like a unifying rallying point for this team around the team doctor who's been here forever. Yeah, um, I think that's just when, I don't know, you see something that's not right out there, it's an easy way to correct it. And, I mean, social media has its positives and negatives. Me personally, I think there's more negatives than positives, but um, it was an easy way and an opportunity to, uh, I would say, speak the truth about our doc and Doc McKenzie and all our doctors and trainers, to be honest with you, and the, what they do to care for us. And, um, yeah, it was – and it wasn't even hard to do because it was – everyone knew that's the what we came out and said was the truth. Um, the, like you said, it's past players, current players, um, 
I mean, guys that were here now on other teams are, you know, are, are, I mean, they all know. And even, I mean, I even saw some media people come out and, you know, I've, you know, I've covered the Packers for years and, and experienced, you know, guys trying to come back from injury and it's taking longer than what they think because, you know, Doc is very conservative. Sometimes it becomes an argument about it. <laughs> Sometimes it's a great thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. So, um, but we appreciate what our trainers do. And, um, yeah, so I just, Felt his right to get the truth out. I guess coming up next. Didn't have any division, division one scholarships. Had uh, two division two scholarships. Playing college ball right down the road from where he grew up. You are listening to Packers One on One with Greg Matzik. And welcome back to Packers One on One. Greg Matzik with you, getting to know wide receiver Jordy Nelson, who grew up in rural Kansas on a farm. His work ethic carried over to college, where he walked on at Kansas State, right down the road from where he grew up. Two thousand eight. Second round, you're selected by the Packers, pick number 36. Do you know the wide receivers who were selected ahead of you in that draft? Uh, yes, and not. Can I mean, you remember their? You remember their names? I'm gonna forget the one kid already. Um, one was uh, I think it's Devin Thomas. He went to the Redskins, and yep. then um, Cali, the guy named he went to the Ram early. Um, drawing a blank on his name. Donnie Avery. Donnie Avery. Yes. Um, I don't think they're playing anymore. In fact, if, if if I have my numbers right here, only you, Deshaun Jackson, and Pierre Garçon are still in the league after being drafted in 2008. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive, man. Yeah, um, I kind of get the jabs now being the old guy in the locker room, the old guy in the room. Um, I try to turn it back on them and say it's a compliment and that hopefully <laughs> one day you guys will experience it. So um, it is crazy to think that uh, you've been around that long that you can envision uh, you know, Donald being here at this time and uh, I was being the rookie or the you know second year guy, however it would time up. That um, now the roles have been reversed. So, um, but it, it's fun. It's it's great to see these guys grow. Um, if it's I mean Randall from being his rookie year now, what is it year eight or seven for him I think, and so and then Devonte through the four years and um, even Jeff and Trevor and all those guys now. So it's fun and. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy to think you can be thirty two year olds and thirty two years old and playing football and I remember being in high school coming off the field being outrageously sore and miserable and like <laughs> how in the world am I gonna play this, you know, fifteen years later. Yeah, well that kinda of takes me to my next point. So, you know, you end up playing at Kansas State, but fair to say that the letters weren't stacked up on your bed and in your mailbox? Um, I got a lot of random stuff, uh, just like the invitation stuff, the questionnaires, kind of like the flyer to kind of promote those schools. Um, Filled out a lot of questionnaires, but didn't have any Division I scholarships. Had uh, two Division II scholarships, um, but got recruited by K-State. They call it a preferred walk-on. I was just having this conversation with Randall the other day for – one of their family friends or cousin or something that was looking at walking on, and he's like, what's the difference between walk-on and preferred walk-on? I was like, well, preferred walk-on, you get recruited. You still pay for your school just like a walk-on. Right, right. <laughs> so right. <laughs> it's just that you have a little bit easier way of getting in. But, um, yeah, so it was that was an interesting process, um, and then just decided to go to K-State. Just I don't know. I didn't want to have any what-ifs. not saying Division Two is a bad way to go because there's guys – there's a couple guys in the league – Throughout since I've been here for ten years, I've I've played against a couple guys from Washburn, um, which is the school I probably would have went to if I would have went to Division Two. So it's obviously still is a route to get to the NFL, and we have obviously Jeff Janis from Saginaw Valley State. So, um, but yeah, did you have NFL thoughts as a preferred walk-on? You're thinking you you want to compete. You had success in high school. 
Um, it's fun. You're not ready to give it up. But the only thing I think that would have possibly thought was uh, there's a guy named John McGraw. He got drafted by the Jets. Um, played double digit years with the Jets, the Lions, the Chiefs. Um, went to my high school. Uh, about six years older than myself. So. Seeing him go through that process, and he did the same thing. He walked on at K-State. Um, he actually walked on as re- really crazy. He walked on as receiver and got switched to DB, where I walked on as a DB and got switched to receiver. Um, ended up getting drafted and playing 10 years. So I saw the path. I saw it as possible. Now, did I truly think it was possible? Probably not. Um, but um, you did see that it, it was. And I think that's one reason why I did walk on at K-State. Cause, and I did talk to him before I'd made my decision. Um, was, you know, to see what he thought and he, what his thought process was and why he did it, and so I kind of followed in his footsteps. And that was literally your backyard, right? I mean, you grew up in Manhattan, Kansas. I grew up, I mean, that was yeah. like... I grew up 20 minutes uh, north of Manhattan, so, okay. but Manhattan's a town, like, if we had to go grocery shopping or go to the mall or pretty much go to a restaurant, it was in Manhattan, so that was our town. And, and that's still home, right? A lot of families still in that area? Yeah, all of our, um, yeah, um, all my family's still right there at home, out in the country, um... Um, where we grew up, and then my wife's family. Obviously, we grew up together. Um, her sisters have moved to Topeka and Kansas City, but for the most part, um, everyone's right there. True or false, you have taken the group of wide receivers at some point in your career back to your family farm. Yes. Um, a few years ago, I took a group of them, uh, James Jones, uh, Greg Jennings, and Brent Swain and their uh, wives uh, back. And then Randall and Devontae have both been back Um in the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, I've taken some guys back. Uh, A.J. Hawk's been back, Aaron, um, Josh Sittens came back. So right now we do a benefit in, uh, in the summer, and so I try to take a guy back to be a part of the benefit and then just kind of show him Kansas. True or false, a member of the wide receiving core has put an ATV in a river. True. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple. Multiple? <laughs> no. Uh, well, yeah. That was an accident. It shouldn't have happened, but not near as bad as it seemed. Okay, nonetheless. Um, you can laugh about it now. <laughs> yeah, right. Nonetheless. Um, you know, here you are. You've, 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 I think you're a part of the fabric of the community in Green Bay because you've been here a number of years. And I think you know, a lot of players are sort of in and out, may not get to that second contract. When it's all said and done, are, are you back in Kansas, or is, has Green Bay kind of become home? <laughs> Depends on who you ask, um, but I think we will go back to Kansas. Uh, growing up on a farm is something I am very passionate about um, and want to get back to and want my kids to grow up on. I think there's a lot of things that you can learn or that I learned by being on a farm, um, and it's just something I think I want to raise my kids on. So uh, that is the plan is whenever we're done to move back to Kansas. Um my wife would probably prefer to stay here, but she understands what the end goals is, and it's to go back to Kansas and plan on farming with my brother. And um, that's the, that's the plan. Uh, it'll be a battle. It'll be it'll be tough because, like you said, we've been here ten, and by the time that happens, plus years, um, my son's not looking forward to it. He already knows that's what's going to happen, and he doesn't want to do it. He already plans on coming back to college up here or <laughs> staying with some friends or something. So it'll be interesting. And that, that's the part of the consideration too, right? Kids and school. It is, and honestly. Seeing where he's at, because he's in second grade now, so you start counting years, and um, you do you you eventually have to you have to think about your family, you have to think about the kids, and um, when might be a good transition for them for school. Um, you, you know, I feel like I've played football um, long enough, and it's time to at some point in time to move on with the family. So um, that's been a conversation um, to see if there is a good time when that would happen. Um, 
I don't want to have to have him move back home in the middle of high school, which obviously that's a long ways away right now. But um, but there is that is a thought process of when um, you kind of call your career an end and move forward. Coming up next, and I, I know a lot of people out there don't believe that we do, but we do. We live a week to week life with our job, life in the NFL. After this, on Packers one on one. Now more of Packers one on one with Greg Matzik. Packers one-on-one continues. Greg Matzik getting to know Packers wide receiver Jordy Nelson. Had a great career for Nelson as a member of the Green Bay Packers, but it's also been a career full of ups and downs. What's been the most painful loss that you've encountered game-wise as a member of the Packers? Uh, I think it's probably going to be the NFC Championship game in Seattle. Um, And every year it gets worse just because you understand how hard it is to get back after... After getting there and winning one, um, and then losing in the first round of the next year, um, and then ha- being that close um, multiple times, it, that one kind of hits every every playoff time and especially every championship weekend there. And you realize, well, and that year I made the Pro Bowl, and the Pro Bowl was in Arizona at the Super Bowl site. So when I went and played at the Pro Bowl, they had all the Super Bowl stuff up, so I even put an extra dagger in it. So right. Um, but yeah, that's definitely the one that um, you won't ever get back. No matter if you go on and win one this year or next year or whatever, you will always have that one that you feel it got away. Does the euphoria of winning a Super Bowl outweigh some of the painful playoff losses? You mentioned Seattle, Arizona comes to mind, and there have been a handful here. The sad part is I think losing sticks with me longer than winning. Um, I don't know why. And I think, I don't know if it'll, I don't know. It's just. I don't. Yeah, I, it it does for whatever reason. You can go all the way back to middle school and, or high school and college. The same thing. Like, um, yeah, I don't know why it is that way, it, but it, does, it definitely does. Does that make this season even even more of a challenge or or more frustrating that it, it's just kind of gone into a rut here after a yeah, not, start? Not during the season, honestly. You're so zoned in week to week, and I, I know a lot of people out there don't believe that we do, but we do. We live a week to week life with our job it is it is so much you know monday through sunday then start over monday through sunday and um so you know in season it's easy to move on but it's always it's the last loss of every year that you won't ever um to me you'll forget about the losses in season uh, because there's always another game but when there's not that next game i mean i I remember my last game of my uh, high school career um i won't ever forget it so um it was i mean obviously we lost and i there's obviously only one team every year that wins, you know, for the most part wins their last game unless they don't make the playoffs, but um, wins the last game. Everyone else goes home disappointed. Well, and you're, you're a prom player, Jordy. You're an outstanding player in this league and have been for a number of years. You know that you can help this team. But candidly, your your numbers are, are down since the quarterback change. Is it a chemistry thing? Is it developing the kind of timing that that you and Aaron have? It. it how do you pinpoint it, right? Because um, there's obvious I, shift you, here. You don't pinpoint it. There's it's multiple things. Um, uh, I think for everyone, but um, you know, and it's nothing I've worried about. To be honest with you, I I don't I didn't worry about it when Aaron was playing, and I've never put numbers as a way to see if my game is where it needs to be. Um, similar to winning and losing some of my most regrettable games or games I was very successful in because I know I left things out there. And those are the ones that, again, I'll hold on to more than um, an unproductive game stat-wise but still could have you know played pretty good. There's a lot of things that go into it. So 
Um, I, I haven't stressed over it, to be honest with you. Um, don't plan on stressing over it. I mean, I, and I'm not saying it just because breast quarterback, but every year I walk in here, it's I need to do my job to the best of my ability, run my route, and uh, try to get open. And um, if I'm doing that, then uh, I'll be pleased with what's going on. So I, obviously I think every player would want to be um, more productive or more into it, just especially when you're losing, you feel like you can do more. But um, it's all about how you do what your assignment is and if you're doing it right. Coming up next. Same amount of games, but I think it's also it almost gets to the point of like the NBA season. You really watch the regular season of the NBA because there's 82 of them. The popularity of the NFL. This is Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. Packers One-on-One continues. Our discussion with Jordy Nelson also continues. Coming up next, we'll hear from the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee. Football today in the NFL, some would say the product is oversaturated. Uh, Every given year, the schedule is a little bit bonkers, right? I mean, Packers are a popular franchise and brand and successful, so you play on Thursday, you play on Saturday, you play on Sunday night. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. Uh, The Packers will be featured. Uh, is does the NFL have a saturation issue right now where there seemingly are games that it just I mean all different times of day and night playing on Thursdays I don't think the players really like that from who I've talked to I is think there too much of the product being force fed I think sports in general is um, because if you don't have an NFL game you have a college game every day of the week yeah um, I think it is. I think part of it is there's multiple ways to get it. So if you're just looking directly at TV ratings, they, they could be skewed a little bit just because everyone, can, you know, you can also watch them on your phone or your iPad or computer or whatever. So, um, but I think I think there is a little bit to that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's we're still we're playing the same amount of games, but I think it's also it almost gets to the point of like the NBA season. You really watch the regular season of the NBA because there's 82 of them. I mean, we don't have that many games, but when it's every week, when you're used to having football, you know, two times a week, Saturday and Sunday, and now it's Thursday and Friday and Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, now college teams play on Wednesday. I mean, obviously colleges are doing it to try to get their team and program on the TV as much as possible for recruiting purposes. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's constantly constantly on, so you don't have to watch it because you can watch it tomorrow. If it's only on Sunday, you have to watch it on Sunday because you won't get it until another seven days. <laughs> right. It's just... It's a lot of football on TV this time of year, man. It's hard to keep up with. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I think this year I've watched one Thursday night football game. Yeah. And it was the Kansas City Chiefs. And, I mean, because they're, you know, still kind of my hometown team and who I grew up watching. Um, I even forget who they were playing. I think it was Oakland. It was actually a pretty good game, but I I hardly ever watch Thursday night football. I'd rather watch the Thursday night college football game if it's a good game than the NFL. A couple things to finish up here. Uh, Probably not good for our brand right there. But. <laughs> well, I think you echo what, what a lot of fans think. I mean, look, it, it just talking to people, it's the, the Thursday night product, weeks one and two, it, it looks normal. It looks like football. Mm-hmm. And then you realize everybody's beat up and your body's just not ready to yeah. come back. Well, and everything, too, I think being, I think fantasy football has brought, in, has brought people into the game, but it's also taking people away from watching the games because you don't you can't watch every game so i would assume i don't play fantasy football but if i did i wouldn't necessarily be watching the games i'd be watching the stat lines and you would be doing that um you know on your phone just following who's where you know where you are whatever team your receiver's on and you can't watch all the games so you're just going to follow whatever they're doing on the game cast part of it and the box score so i think that might be part of it as well all right, be honest. How many boxes of Jordy Flakes are at your house? Zero right now because he ate them all. 
You're all you're all out. <laughs> Is it still in production? Someone I saw someone said they bought it the other day, which I was surprised. But I think I think they're gone because it was only like a short time little run thing. So. I mean that you kind of. <laughs> I mean, think about this: walk on at Kansas State, you become a Super Bowl champ, a Pro Bowl. I mean, your own cereal and that. <laughs> Come on, yeah, now, uh, that was quite the opportunity, and it—I mean, it's kind of those are the fun ones to do. Yeah, uh, the random—I think part of it, like the real one, like the player card. When you get a player card, was kind of the first reality kind of thing of like, this is for real. Because um, I'm saying, as a kid, you always collected them, and then when you actually have your own, it's it's pretty crazy. But yeah, there's a lot of random things that um, people are always trying to create um, different things for. Fans to have, for kids to have fun with, uh, to grow their brand or to grow the game or whatever it is. So it was a fun opportunity to have, and it was fun to do it. All your Christmas shopping done? I haven't even started. No, online guy? Yeah. Um, I can't. I couldn't tell you last time I walked in a mall. Here, to actually like go shopping anywhere in Wisconsin. I walked in a mall, like an away game, just to get out of my room. But, um, yeah, I will not go to the mall at all. So it's definitely online. Um, one way or another. Did, so you, you you weren't in the, in line at, at going to Kohl's at five a.m. Um, Live Friday? No, I would never do that. <laughs> and that's stuff so depressing as well because now it's Thursday at five p.m. on Thanksgiving. No, so Amazon's an easy click away. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and if they get more options, you can. I mean, you can shop a lot in ten minutes at home on the internet than you can walking through a mall. <laughs> do a lot so. of damage with your thumb and a phone. <laughs> yeah, good and bad. <laughs> right. Good and Jordy, bad. appreciate your time, man. Good no problem. Thank you. Coming up next, we'll look into the Packers' playoff chances and their upcoming matchup with the Cleveland Browns with the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee. After this on WTMJ. Back to Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. And welcome back to the program. We continue Packers One-on-One, the show. We're now joined on the line by the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing well, and uh, deservedly, uh, the Packers should be in a good mood right now following that win over Tampa Bay. And, you know, it was a game, Wayne, where you just felt like you, you had to have it in order for your playoff hopes to remain alive. And I don't care how pretty it is. I don't think judging cosmetics is what we're in the business of doing today without Aaron Rodgers. Fact is, the Packers have a win under their belt. They're going to face another last-place team here this weekend in Cleveland. And all of a sudden, there's some intrigue around this Packers team. Yeah, there is. And obviously, they're going to need a lot of help from people who have nothing to do with the Packers. But that could happen. I mean, stranger things have happened down the stretch. It's just that, unfortunate, they're in the NFC, and the NFC is loaded this year. Uh, you know, 8-4. and four. If the playoffs started today, you'd have to be 8-4 and four to make the field. So, um, you know, I, I still think that uh, the Packers had to do and did what they had to do. Let's put it that way. And and uh, you're exactly right. It's not a cosmetic win, but that doesn't matter. Um, to stay relevant in the playoff hunt as we go into December, that's what it's all about. And maybe you get Aaron Rodgers back in a couple of weeks, and that uh, – that gives you a further boost. What's your gut feeling on that, Wayne? If the Packers do beat the Browns on Sunday, I mean, everything that we're reading, everything that we're hearing, there is some video of Rodgers throwing. Everything seems to be on track, but does on track mean maybe back at the start of that Carolina game or maybe the next week against Minnesota if the Packers are still in it? Boy, I really I really think that um, a lot depends on what happens this week in practice. I, I think, you know, where how far he comes along this week in practice He's not going to play in Cleveland, obviously. But um, I think that, really, if you're going to bring him back, you've got to beat the Browns and then still have a shot at the playoffs, which they will uh, if that happens. So I don't think they activated him off the IR to uh, just for cosmetics. I think they, they intend on playing him. 
Well, and certainly if you beat the Browns, you, that'll be the biggest story in football. No question. As soon as the clock hits zero in Cleveland on Sunday, if the Packers win, it, that'll become the biggest story. Nationally, it'll be Rodgers' watch 2017. Will he play against Carolina? Feels like the arrow is pointing in that direction, but it has to mean something, right? Otherwise, there's really no value in bringing him back at all. I think that's probably the the logical thing is that, you know, you want to be in contention. You want to be going for a playoff spot. And if you're not, then um, you're right. Uh, unless you take the philosophy, as sometimes Mike McCarthy will do, in that, hey, listen, there are only 16 games. Whoever is healthy, uh, especially if he's a starter, he plays, you know. I mean, there's something at stake every week anyway. But I honestly think with this particular player in this position um, that if, the Packers are going to have to be playoff relevant, I think, for Aaron Rodgers to come back. But who knows? I mean, that's just me speculating, and I don't know any more than the next guy. You know, Wayne, a few weeks ago we speculated on this program that, you know, maybe Jamal Williams was starting to warm up here at the right time. He's a tough, physical, hard-nosed runner, falls forward. He has shown a little bit of wiggle here the last couple of weeks, uh, built for late November and December football. I think he's shown that. But I think also this Packers offense you know, when they tried to turn Brett Hundley loose against Baltimore, it didn't work out so well. The last couple of weeks, they have really run the offense through the backfield, and it's been impressive to watch here. Rookies are shouldering the load. Nice to see Aaron Jones come back and show a burst of speed in that win over Tampa. But I would imagine this continues, right? I mean, Jamal Williams has certainly earned the opportunity uh, to get more touches, and he's been tremendously effective. I think you're right, Greg. And the 25, I was glad to see him break off a 25-yard run. I mean, for so many weeks, his longest run was like eight or nine yards, and he has the burst. We've seen that in the passing game. Uh, he took, you know, what a swing pass, 50-some yards for a touchdown of Pittsburgh. So you know he's got another gear. But as a running back, running between the tackles, that type of thing, we hadn't seen it until we saw, uh, saw him make that move yesterday. And uh, I'm happy for him. He's a great kid and, and is really doing a tremendous job. Uh, I knock on wood, he hasn't fumbled yet from what I can re- remember. And, you know, that's very unusual for a rookie back uh, to have that kind of ball security. But, um, you know, if, if you look at it, they're discovering some things here that they've got an Aaron Jones who can hit a home run. They've got a Jamal Williams who can grind it out. Um, maybe there's a role for Ty Montgomery as a specialty back, kind of like a Randall Cobb who comes in and out of the backfield and, and you do things with him in the passing game. You know, the really good teams in this league that have balance on offense usually have two or three running backs involved. I think in Atlanta last year being that team. Coming up next we'll look into uh, to the matchup a little bit further against the Browns. We'll also dissect the Packers offense and defense. The return of the sack. Very important here for the Packers especially down the stretch. More with Wayne after this on Packers One-on-One. You're listening to Packers One-on-One with Greg Matzik. And welcome back in. We're wrapping up Packers One-on-One. I'm Greg Matzik joined by the voice of the Packers Wayne Larvey. Packers travel to Cleveland. And it's off to Carolina for the following game. And who knows, Aaron Rodgers could return. He's eligible to return and come off IR and participate in that game, whether he's medically cleared or not. Well, that could be a major storyline at this time next week. Wayne, looking further into the Packers' offense, I know we talked about the running game and how that is sort of taking flight here. And you know, at the right time, especially at this time of the year, November, December football. You know, the passing game, it's very clear that Brett Hundley has a relationship here with Devontae Adams. His numbers in terms of yards per catch uh, pretty consistent from when Aaron Rodgers was quarterback to Brett Hundley. Jordy Nelson quite the opposite here, though. It, it, it seems like that timing, some of those throw and catches made from uh, you know Aaron to Jordy, we're not seeing as much of that. Is that just 
the remarkable chemistry that Aaron and Jordy have when they're on the field together? Well, I, I think that's a part of it. I don't know if that's the whole story. Um, uh, you know, I know that against uh, Tampa Bay, the Packers made a concerted effort to get Jordy Nelson on track and into that offense. Matter of fact, they only threw, a, what do they throw, 20-some passes. They threw eight of those passes to Jordy Nelson, and he had five catches for 17 yards. So I don't know what to make of that, Greg. I, I think you'd have to talk to scouts to evaluate where Jordy Nelson is at. Has he lost a step? I don't know. Uh, he looks the same to me. He doesn't have the same guy throwing him the football, but we all know this about wide receivers. They are dependent upon who's throwing them the football and how often he's get, they're getting the football. So, um, yeah, I think that there's no question uh, Brett Hundley uh, was throwing a little bit more to Devontae Adams. You know what? Before Aaron Rodgers went out, he was throwing more balls to Devontae Adams than Jordy Nelson as well. So um, I don't know what to make of this and, uh, at all. I, I can't even speculate as to where Jordy Nelson is. And what will be really interesting to see is if and when Aaron Rodgers comes back, how does that impact Jordy Nelson's game and thus his impact on this offense? Well, it's very clear what other teams think of Devontae Adams. All you have to do is look and see who is lined up in front of Adams. Uh, they're, they're treating him with a lot of respect, Wayne. I mean, when Minnesota played uh, the Packers earlier in the year, it was a lot of Xavier Rhodes. You're seeing a lot of the best guys covering Devontae Adams right now. No question. Uh, you're exactly right. And if anybody's going to travel coverage, they're going to travel it on uh, uh, Devontae Adams and not Jordy Nelson. So, but this is something we've seen. I mean, this has been emerging. This is something they intended to have happen. Uh, in this is a receiver they expected to have when they drafted him. Uh, it's taken a little while. It often does with receivers. But now Devontae Adams is blossoming into a uh, star-caliber player, Greg, and he's getting that kind of attention from the defense. Yeah, another key element, I think, in that win over Tampa Bay, and it's going to have to be a part of this defense from here on out. The ability to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, there were seven sacks of that game last uh, on Sunday of Jameis Winston and countless other pressures. It, it really it, it was on the first drive, I and mean, it started early. I know Tampa Bay scored on that first drive, but there was some pressure there. You know, it just it's either boom or bust, it seems, in terms of getting the quarterback down, Wayne. I never know what to expect one week from the next, but, boy, it was nice to see it last week. Well, you know, the Buccaneers, as we documented, came into the game uh, with two of their starting offensive linemen out for the season due to injury, and that happened just last week. So it was hard for them to make the adjustments, I think, in terms of personnel and who was going to play where. But the Packers took advantage of that, and, and that's what you have to do when you're a defense. You've got to take advantage where your opponent is hurting, and, and they certainly did that. But the thing I noticed about the pass rush that is different from what we've seen, and it's the return of Kenny Clark up front. He provided some pressure in the middle of that defensive line that allowed Clay Matthews and Nick Perry to encircle the quarterback, and that's the thing I saw. Jameis Winston is a very athletic guy, and I expected that he would, uh, you know, give the Packers a lot of trouble with his legs getting out of these sack situations uh, because Green Bay predominantly doesn't get pressure from, you know, more than one source. But yesterday they did, and it was highly effective, and I think that's a big part of what happened in the game yesterday. Uh, the big question, of course, will be who's starting at quarterback for Green Bay those final few weeks. Greg, they'll have to earn it, and I think they'll have to run the table to make it. And it could be a very exciting December. We're at least hopeful for that. Wayne, I always appreciate your time here on Packers One-on-One. We'll talk to you again down the road. Sounds great, Greg. Thanks much. That about does it for another episode of Packers One-on-One. Hear from us again next week. And if you missed any of our programs throughout the season, make sure to check them out online at WTMJ.com. I'm Greg Matzik.